Hello, my name is Ron Bowen and this is the Flow Artist Podcast. Every episode, my co-host Joe Stewart and I speak with inspiring movers, thinkers and teachers about how they find their flow and much, much more. I'd like to start by honouring the traditional owners of the unceded land on which this episode was recorded, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Joe and I pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. In this episode, we're speaking to Dr. Kavitha Mohan, who's the author of Traditional Aerial Yoga, director of Om Yoga Studio in Chennai, Tamil Nadu, India, a scientist, a world record holder, and a recipient of prestigious yoga awards over in India. While Kavitha has a strong physical practice, she sees yoga primarily as a path to self-realization and a way to achieve balance and peace within oneself. And she focuses more on the therapeutic aspects of aerial yoga too. We were intrigued to learn more about the thottle, which is a traditional South Indian hammock used to soothe babies, to support deity statues in temples, and even as part of funeral processions. This tool of emotional regulation forms the basis of Kavitha's approach to aerial yoga, along with her research focus from her scientific background. Finding the balance between innovation and tradition is just one of the topics we cover. So let's get into it. Hello, Kavitha. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to talk to you. I absolutely loved your book, Traditional Aerial Yoga. Perhaps you'd like to start by telling us a little bit about your background and where you grew up. Thank you, Joey, for inviting me to your podcast. You said my name right. I'm Dr. Kavitha Mohan. I'm from India, Chennai. So this is where I born and brought up and all these are from my own place. About the book, thank you so much for reading it. It's just the start. It's just the initiation that how Aerial Yoga is being brought to our work and how we started using it. So this is just the basic background of Aerial Yoga. Thanks for reading it. And yes, that's all about me. And so I understand that you've been practicing yoga from a very early age and maybe you'd like to share a little bit about like your earliest experience of yoga and how it's just supported you through your life since then. I would really thank my father for this because uh, I am born and brought up from a joint family where 29 people live in one house, like in one roof. So all my uncle, aunt, my dad and my dad's cousins all we live in a jo- in, in one house. And in, in India, it's very orthodox that women are not allowed outside to go for a gym or uh, to do any kind of workout. So we follow uh, strict home workouts like yoga. So it will be more like in closed doors. That is how I started my practice. My I started my practice around the age of uh, 13. And I got my international certificate from Yoga International School the year of 2001. So I would say... By now, I would have been having more than 21 to 22 years of experience. So this is where I started my journey from. I would really thank my dad for pushing me to be fit and to be always young. He always tells me that the concept behind yoga is you have to die young. So that's how it's, it's all started. He inspired me to start this work. So even if you live a long time, you still feel young when you die? Yes, yes. So the concept behind is there are people, for example, uh, a late queen, Elizabeth II, you can see her, uh, how beautifully she did her at the age of her 90s. So yoga can still bring more years to your life. So that's the concept behind yoga. And I could imagine as well, like just thinking about how I felt at the age of 13, I had my own room. I wasn't living in a house with 28 other people and I really needed my own space because everything's changing in your body and your mind is changing. You've got a lot of hormones going on as well. I can absolutely appreciate how that would be such a helpful time in your life to start a yoga practice, to have that space for yourself, even if there are a lot of other people around. Sure. The main thing is that's right. We, everybody needs their own space to practice and everybody needs their own time zone to start. For me, it was a, a kind of, uh, for every every kid, it was kind of a push from the parent. We would have not known whether which is right and which is wrong. So they were guiding us. So back in Australia, since I've been in Australia, I know the culture behind. Parents will help 
the kids help children to grow on their own own way. Like they can they can be who they want to be. But here in India, it's totally different. Where if it's a girl, it should be a doctor. If it is a boy, it should be an engineer. So that's how the parents' mindset will be. And from that kind of a mindset, my dad let me to be who I am. Like a, we had a competition between our cousins. We had a little bit of a push from our cousin side. So in spite of all this uh, uh, culture, tradition back behind us, he helped me to see through everything about who I can be and who I will be in the future. So yoga is one of the biggest tool, I would say, helped me in so many ways. And it led me through and it led me to see the world in a different perspective. So I would really appreciate that yoga is not just the practice, it's just it's totally a mind-body connection where it lets you to see who you can be and it can push you your own limits. So that is how it made me too. And in spite of all the disturbance, in spite of all the noises back home, I still find my own peace. And it led me to train myself and it, it made me so calm after that. I would really be thankful till now that I have chosen the right path. And so you mentioned briefly that you actually have been to Australia and I believe that you did your Masters of Bioscience at the University of Western Sydney. And was that kind of unusual in your family to like leave India and travel so far away? Yes, it is. I told you earlier that if any girl born in Indian tradition, Indian family, she either become a doctor or she become either something into a field of biological science. Actually, I truly believe that earlier in earlier in Indian tradition, Every woman were about to take care of the whole family. So she becomes her own doctor and to take care of the kid and she becomes her own cook and she becomes her, what to say, she will be a hand of everything. She'll be jack of all. So so it was, it made an impact on every parent that a woman should be either into these kinds of fields. And I chose to become a doctor in my field, but unfortunately I, I couldn't able to get a good grade on to compete with my doctor doctorate degrees, I mean in MBBS in uh, in doctor uh, field. So after that, I, I still had the fire inside me that I somehow need to become a doctor, and this helped me to put all the effort in yoga. I did my bachelor's that my undergraduate in um, Satyabama in Chennai, and postgraduate I did my masters in food science and masters in science. I did a lot of research in uh, science, I mean, in food, in, in new development, like uh, in microbiology. So to find a lot of probiotics and bacteria and virus to understand what are the sciences behind the human body and what are the sciences behind the food, what we intake, and what are the sciences behind that, what can a preservative can do to your body. After doing all this, I'm, I'm like super excited. I got an offer from uh, University of uh, First in New South Wales. I did my food science there. And I did my master's in science. I did my project good. I got an offer from University of Western Sydney. After that, I, I love Australia. Australia, I feel like this that is my second home. There are no judgments. You can be who you can be. People are very warm and people are very very heartfully welcoming you. There were a lot of rumors that they scare you, that there may be a, a lot of racism can happen. In spite of all those rumors, I really had a place where I can be myself and it felt really a home. I would always say to my people in India and wherever I go, Australia is second home to me. I I did my a beautiful master's and I did my beautiful life there. And it's a place where you can really have the life back in your track. Yes. Oh, that's, I'm so happy to hear that you got a warm welcome in Australia. Reciprocally, India actually has a really special place in my heart. Like I haven't been for too long. It was over 10 years ago when I was only there for three months, but it was a really pivotal time in my life. And I was also very welcomed and I really felt like it, it totally expanded how I saw myself, how I saw the world, and of course, my yoga practice, which is why I was there. So that's wonderful to hear that you had really good experiences here in Australia. I later found out that India and Australia had a common uh, understanding with our old tradition, like how Australia had Aborigines and their tradition are almost equal to Indian tradition. 
So I read a lot about that and yeah, we had a connection. So that's how I became more connected with Australia. And so once you got back from Sydney, I love the description in your book how you shifted your professional research mind to yoga. And I believe that a lot of your research was more around using yoga for pain relief. And that's actually a field that I find super fascinating myself because we're seeing more and more how someone can have one thing showing up on their MRI and a really different pain experience to someone else who maybe has something that looks more serious in the imaging. But there's so many layers to this and so many factors. Would you like to talk a little bit about what you've been researching? Actually, a beautiful question you asked because uh, so many people don't understand the reason behind the science behind this. I call this hypnopain method. The first thing you uh, realize when you have a pain, the basic pain, we talk about the women's problem. Every month we go this periodic pain where you need to recycle the blood. And this pain can ha- happen like in a month and sometimes it will happen like for two days and for three days. But what happens here is we get used to that pain and we might divert our mind from that pain to our work or for our studies or for a job or whatever we do at the moment. For example, if you have a headache, what we do is we focus only on the head and we try to calm down the pain. But unfortunately, if you have any other job or any other work, to do on the time of being or having a headache, you focus on the job, you focus on the work and your headache will start slowly come down. You forget the headache. Back in, for example, back in India or anywhere the tradition has been followed, we used to, they, the cooking uh, people will try to cut their fingers, I mean, cut their skin with any accident can happen. But in spite of that small pain, they, they do the work and they don't stop the work. The people who have the strong mind, a strong mentality can push the pain away from that time period. So yoga will help you through so much in this. For the first time when you practice yoga, when you first time when you practice any kind of pose, the first thing you will experience is pain. And the second thing is you keep practicing it and the pain starts to fade away and then you get the posture right. And you feel that happiness, that hormone starts to change inside you and you push away the pain and the second or third time or the, or the fifth class or the sixth class, you will be your, you'll be the master of it. So what's happening here is your body is responding to your mind and your mind says you're the master for your body. And then you get the posture right and the pain fades away and you don't even bother about pain, even if the pain is there and you'll be like, I don't even give a damn for the pain. So that is how you keep pushing the pain. The same thing apply for a pregnant woman and she she will be going through an immense pain during her contractions, during her labor, third stage of the labor. So the contraction will happen like in a time zone, like every three minutes or every two minutes. So when the pain hits, she has to be very strong and her mind, mind should choose the right thing and she has to know that this is natural and she pushes the baby in a rap natural way. So this is why women are very powerful because she can handle a lot of pain. She can handle a lot of lot of pain in her body and she can still overcome the pain and she can still overcome the the need of what she needs. So pain management is studied through that way. And I understand that each pain is different for each people. For example, your pain level of pain can be from ten, one to ten, you can be reaching around at nine. And I might reach around uh, seven or six, but still, it all depends on the mind. If you train the mind well, you can really overcome the pain. And this is what it taught me. Yoga has taught me that pain is not a constant state. It's just a temporary one. If you wanted to overcome it, you need to know, you need to understand the body and you need to understand the situation happening on your body and your mental state. And these things can be done only through yoga. So that's what I learned a lot from it. And I guess that can be really helpful for something like a headache or someone who has, say, a chronic pain that they're treating in other ways and they just need to kind of get those endorphins going so they feel better in their everyday experience. But do you, I mean, there are people who 
are feeling pain and that pain is a warning signal from their body. So you don't want to have someone who, say, has a small injury and then they push through that pain and make that injury worse. So I guess part of the practice is also tuning into your body and feeling like, what is a real message that I need to listen to and attend to? And what can I move through and kind of use these practices to help me feel better in my everyday life? Yes, because pain is just an inter- it's signaling, your body is signaling that you, you need to check, you need to understand. That's what, the, that's what I mentioned earlier, that you need to understand the body. If the pain, the pain level would be different. And if it is something very different than what you do for a normal being and then you need to check on it and you need to understand that why it has been happening to you and few things for example you can't get over the pain of fracture you can't get over the pain of any ligament tear or muscle tear so you need to understand the pain different and there are people still i see myself there are people who have a very good bearing of pain even in spite of fracture they will be like it's they still control themselves they don't take a tear out i mean they'll be very calm and composed they will uh, they will take to the stage and there are people who have the same fracture they will like scream they will call for people's health so pain pain hits in a different level to different people and you need to understand the pain is a signal from a body that you need an attention to those things and you need to take care of your body the same way what it's been telling you and I've seen as well how factors like stress in your life, lack of sleep, like there's all these other factors that can really experience. It's like a cup that's getting full and then it overflows and that's the chronic pain experience. Yes, yes, that's true. And sleep is another important thing for every every being because nowadays people do not focus on the hours of sleep pattern they have. And they keep on being in, in work, in mobile, in laptop. So they forget the hours of sleep. The sleep is very important to recover your body back to your normal days. So yes, sleep is very important. And so when I visited India, it was about 10 years ago, and I was really looking to like dive deeper into yoga and seeking out really as many different types of yoga classes as I could, like taking full advantage of that experience. And I didn't see any aerial yoga classes at that time. And I also know there weren't any aerial yoga classes in Melbourne either at that time. I'm, I'm just wondering, like, is there an aerial yoga lineage in India? And do you know where it began? Actually, I spoke a lot about this in the book. And the first thing I learned about aerial is there are five elements that we play uh, in, in our everyday life. We play with fire, water, air, space, and earth. So these five elements are really important in everyday life. So air when, when we speak about aerial, you connect with air and space. So among the five elements, the two major elements I'm playing here is air and space. Through practice, I understood that it has a lot of emotional connection with aerial. And in India, especially, and you can see it in South India, women use this cradle, the cloth, to put the baby to sleep. And when the baby feels cranky or the baby is crying for a very long hours, the just smooth and to calm the baby, to calm the spinal cord and to calm the abdomen, everything, it happens only through aerial yoga. And I call this aerial yoga as total yoga. In, in traditional South India, we call this as total. And not just in, it's from, it's from birth. It's, it's still the, uh, it goes, the process, the process goes every stage in our life. And if we go to temple, back in India, it's very famous. Hinduism culture is very famous here and tradition. So here what happens is a god, if there are, there are, uh, there are stories and there are traditions, they still follow back in temple. If a god is angry, they take into a stage play and take the god's idol and put it in the cradle and they say the god becomes calm. So they had a lifestyle to calm the people's mind, to calm the people's emotional anxiety, emotional, de- I mean, stress. Everything through area. So once, if you feel stressful, and the child, if this, if the child is being very stressed or very anxious, once if it ends, enters to the play zone or to the park area, they immediately wanted to go take the swing, and they wanted to feel the breeze on their face, and they wanted to feel themselves being free in the air. That happens to a child, and then comes to the marriage stage, 
where in marriage tradition in India, especially in South India, once after the married couple, they make sure that they sit in aerial jula. We call jula swing. It's a large swing, and in that, make sure that uh, they make sure that a uh, man and wife uh, swing for a little time zone where they can ease the stress of marriage. And when the mind is being calm, and they they uh, they awaken the soul inside them. So they get to know each other and they, they open their heart and mind. So Ariel will help you to calm your presence and it helps you to open your heart and your mind. And after that stage, and then it comes to the final stage. The final stage, we use the cloth. And even if you can see in Egyptian tradition, they mummify with the cloth. They just uh, put the cloth around the body and then they give it for the cremation. So Ariel, I mean, the your, the total comes from, from birth till the death. There has been connection between these cloths. And this helps us not just that to practice. These are the lineage I found. I find myself through my research that we have been, it's there in our DNA, not just in India. It's in everyone's DNA in the world that there, there has been a practice before. And, and after that, People forgot the practice and they got more into, they've been getting more into an advanced changes happening to the world. And we forgot the traditional way. We forgot the earlier stages of practice. So it, it is, it has been changed that way. I, I personally feel these are the basic lineages from India. And from this, we can understand that Ariel is, is being first, it's been used by many centuries back. And we're just finding it now through circus method. And uh, I don't think circus method is being followed through aerial yoga, through total yoga. They follow something different. They call aerial silk and they call something a uh, different way of performing their body. And But in aerial yoga, this is totally different. You can meditate through it on it and you can really feel, get a deep stretch on it. And your body can really get very, very well toned and trained in this kind of practice. So this is very different for me and this is very connecting to me and to my kind of presence and it makes me to be be present by focusing on now. So Ariel is the way that I take it to my life is totally, it's different than people what they see Ariel Yoga in their kind of practice. So this is how I find the lineage of Ariel in, in India. And I really love the way that you've expressed how like the thotal, it's just like an everyday part, like it's a practical element of life, but it also has the spiritual connection of the deities and the cocooning, soothing aspect of like being held and being supported. It's something that I really work with a lot. Like I'm a lot more on the therapeutic aspect of aerial yoga, less on the circus side. But I think as well, like even when you're talking about the couple taking that swing together, it's like this shared experience of levity as well. Like there's a playful aspect to it and like a lightness to it, which I guess comes into the air element as well. Like it's just this really beautiful way that we can move from a physical experience to a spiritual experience, which I actually think is a lot easier for me than yoga on the mat, which is where I started. It seems like sometimes the hammock is a bit of a shortcut to that more meditative state of mind and more subtle connection to your inner being. Yes, true. And I, whenever I start my class, I always start uh, telling them that today it's earth the element what we're going to take is earth or fire or water or wind or space. So I always tell them, and they are really happy to go on aerial than being on the floor. I uh, We had a connection with air a lot. And everybody knows we play with these five elements. And the aerial is something beautiful that you, you can get an instant meditative feel when you are on the aerial. And it's very rare that you, when you, if you can practice, if you are a practitioner of meditation, more than sitting down on the floor and to sit in sukhasana and meditate, you should give a try on aerial. It takes you in, into an instant zone of meditation and you feel really beautiful and you feel the floating sensation in meditation can happen in the seconds. So I really enjoy doing aerial a lot. And it's like that instant pratyahara, like you're literally shutting out the distractions of the world as you come into your own little cocoon. True, I agree with that, yes. 
I wanted to let you know as well, because I'd never heard of the thottle here in Australia. So I asked some of my friends who have babies and one friend had a baby that had like a lot of trouble sleeping. So she did research and she had one. So it's actually made its way out of India and like called it by its name as well. So she knew exactly what I was talking about. So yes, like fussy babies all over the world are benefiting. True, true. And also there is a science behind that the spinal cord is being calmed down in Ariel and Hegel to give you the warm hug of mother. So back in, in India, we still follow the tradition. We use mother's old sari. So we oh. are wearing sari. The long yard of sari looks like an Ariel. So the mother's smell will be there. The old sari has the strength. So it is uh, it is the same nylon like a fibre. The fabric is very stretched stretchy and it can be used as a total it can be used as an aerial for the kid so what happened here is the baby sleeps in mother's sari and baby feels that it's still under the mom's uh, warm hand and it calms it immediately so we use this tradition techniques to calm the baby down and you can't carry the baby everywhere and you can't calm them and in nights especially in nights the new mother would really feel terrible she can't get good sleep even she would have sacrificed her body and she would have been uh, stressing her body the more stress she takes and the breast milk starts to reduce so to calm everything down she can use this way of a trick that she can use her own uh, cloth uh, and she can put it in the cradle or she can use it in the cradle so, uh, to support the cradle the baby starts to sleep and the baby can still smell the mother's so. and that would look really beautiful as well with those beautiful colorful sari prints <laughs> they are Hi, it's Joe here, and if the last couple of years have shown, being adaptable and creating autonomy within your yoga business has never been more important. However, creating a website from scratch can be a very expensive and daunting proposition, especially when you combine it with creating a booking system, mailing list, and managing online payments and sending out Zoom reminders for all your online classes. I did a lot of research for our mentoring clients to find the best value and easiest to use package, which is also supports tiered pricing, donation-based classes, and was accessible and understandable for new teachers who aren't super comfortable with technology. We recommend Offering Tree, and we're now Offering Tree Ambassadors. Use our link, offeringtree.com slash flowartists, to get one month free or 15% off an annual plan. The Essentials plan's only $22 US per month, the time of recording this and includes everything that you need as a new teacher building your yoga business. We'll pop the link in the show notes for you. So even here in Melbourne, sometimes I come across this perception, and I think a lot of it comes from the internet, where people see aerial yoga and it looks like a circus trick or it looks like a novelty thing, and they don't really get that perception that like this is this can be real yoga, like we can use this to work with the mind as well. How is it where you live in Chennai? Do people kind of accept aerial yoga or is there a little bit of that same perception that maybe it's not really true yoga, maybe it's like for fun or for a novelty or like more of a performance? Since I told you I have an experience of uh, 22 years in Abhavan Yoga, I started aerial around the, uh, four years back. So I started in a fun way with, uh, of learning it since it is being coming up, booming up uh, everywhere in and around Chennai, in and around in India. That's something in regular yoga, we ask them to sit on the floor, we ask them to do basic stretches, and it's becoming bore for them. For example, uh, now the life is becoming too fast for people, and everything they wanted in minutes. For uh, If they wanted to cook, they have to finish it in two minutes, and if they wanted to get ready, they wanted to get ready in five minutes. So it's all becoming in minutes. So people are running behind time. They're running behind money, and they're running behind the life that they're missing out to live. So here, in, in I understood the life behind here, and I took time in understanding the people and seeing it and been researching a lot. I, I love doing a lot of research because Australia has taught me to do everything, do the research first and then do it in action. So that helped me out. And then I started giving them the fun day first. I gave my clients, I gave my students the fun day first, and it helped them to release the stress. They come here with a different stress. And they will be like emotionally down. And I understood that Ariel can play a lot of emotional being. And it puts you, it gives you an instant happiness and it gives you an instant mood lifting uh, day and it gives you a beautiful, amazing start for the day and for the week. 
So once they come here and once they start to go in a reverse buddha or once they start to go in an in upside down position, they feel that that's a different kind of achievement they did. And they are like the instant of harmony hits to their brain and they become so happy. And that happiness is the real goal for every yoga teacher, which I find it a little hard to give it immediately on the floor. And on the floor, even if I did, uh, if I wanted to try something new post, even I will take time, even I might be an excellent teacher, I might be an experienced teacher, to try something new, I will take time. I can't immediately get into the post. First, I need to do the warm-up, and then I need to find the right posture, and then I need to come to the posture into a right time, and I need to be comfortable in that posture without hurting my any kind of muscles or bone, and then only I find the right result to the posture. But in area, it's like you can sleep on it, you can play on it, and still you get the right stretch, which I wanted to get it on the floor. So this is how it started. And to be very honest, I started exploring more on area than the floor. And I I find a lot of results. And there are so many results I found. So far, I have done 19 cases for infertility. People say that they have been having problems that they couldn't able to get the fertility done. So I give them postures according to their need. And if they have PCOS, I give them downward dog on the aerial. And if they have any problem on the uterus or in the ovaries, I make sure they get the right stretch on the aerial on those particular areas. And you won't believe I give them results. And there are people now with the babies after they say they get conceived, I mean, they get the confirmation after four years. They've been waiting for four years. Once they start the practice with aerial, they can get the results in months. And I see the results. I feel this is the right way. And uh, with the right, if you, if you are a right yoga teacher, you will know what's the client's need and you will know when to start and when to stop. And you can't push the client beyond their limits. And you will know where the client is being bluffing or the client is really in the pain. So only a proper yoga teacher, only the good yoga teacher will know that your limits. So Ariel has taught me my limits with the students, with the, with the, with the people who are stepping into the school. I am being very proud now. I'm being very successful in Ariel Yoga in Chennai because I have given the results. So, and I'm, I'm still getting uh, students, I'm flowing students because of Ariel Yoga and the results what I gave them. I don't do surface method. I do a deep stretch in Ariel and I give them a, a deep relaxation on Ariel. This is what I feel a true yoga it is. And the circus method is go up and down. Yeah, you do a lot of twists and turns. I still, I still appreciate that. I really like that to see. I really uh, uh, appreciate on doing it. But that is different and this is different. Area silk is different and yoga is different. Yoga is like you connect everything together. And that connection is more like a, a zestful. That's, that's a beautiful feel that... It cannot be ex- expressed. It cannot be tell. It's about the feeling. Like how you can't see the air, but you can feel it. In yoga is more like that. You, the feeling is different. And yes, the pain is there. The pain is true. I agree. You still have aerial bites. You will get a lot of her. When you do deep stretch, and yes, we might end up with bites. But the recovery is not uh, the same like floor. You feel that zestful feel in aerial is totally different than the floor. So this is how I play around with my aerial yoga. And so by aerial bites, do you mean like the little bruises that the fabric can give you sometimes, like a little bit of a pinch? (laughs) Yes, yes. And what I'm getting as well from the kind of people that you're working with, with like polycystic ovaries and a lot of women's health issues and with fertility issues as well, none of these are an easy fix. Like a lot of this is a lot about patience and... I can imagine there would be an element of having to make friends with your body again if you've been having a lot of pain and really like a lot of emotional roller coaster, especially with fertility with that. Like this can just be an hour out of your day where it's really about how can I feel good in my body? How can I give myself peace of mind? Like all of those other issues are probably going to be there when you step back out of the hammock, but it can make all of that hard stuff easier to deal with if you just kind of take that load off for a small amount of time. And I feel like one of the things that the fabric can really do for us is 
because it's a different feeling for the mind to tune into, it can help us kind of get that different perspective in a way that sometimes a practice on the floor, like you can be in a restorative pose, all the bolsters, all the cushions, and your mind is still whirring away with all of those cares and concerns. Like it's this different sensation can sometimes be what we need to have that mental shift and to give us that strength and that calm to face all of the other things that are waiting for us at the end of the class. That's true, very true. I agree with you. And this this gives you a different confidence level than what we do it in normal floor. So yes, it gives you a beautiful feel through. I agree with you. And so one thing that I noticed in your book that I thought was really interesting because I know you're a scientist and also you have pretty much a lifelong practice of yoga is how you put in a lot of research and a lot of evidence base for the things that you wrote. But you also wrote about the subtle body, about the chakras, about the nadis. And I see different perspectives with this. I think that some people consider them completely different systems. There's an energetic system. You're not going to see it on x-ray or MRI. Don't try and like make it overlay. And then other people, especially with say the chakra system, they might correlate that with endocrine system and with the nadis, they might correlate that to the central nervous system. I'm really interested in your perspective. Do you see the correlation or you just consider them like energetic and physical and that's how it is? I actually play with energies and I, I uh, personally call it energy. The first thing is each asanas and the each tuning, it's more like how we channel the body with the right energy. Uh, the best example is if you tune into FM and there's one famous FM on a 4.8, Jackie and Kylie Oates FM. If you just put that one tone into a different tuning. For example, if it is 104.8, if I tune it to 104.3, and how do you hear the voice? You hear it in a disturbed voice and you hear it in a different way. The same way your body is being telling you if you're being disturbed or if you're being not right on track of your mind is disturbed, you're not tuning into the nature of the right FM tune. So you, if you have to tune it to the right FM or if you have to tune it to the right thing, then you need to be connected with the nature. So I play with a lot of nadis. I play with a lot of energy. So that is how I understand that, for example, by seeing a person's body, we can easily tell what dosha they are. So, for example, vata, pitta, or kapha, I don't want to talk too much deep into it. And it's a big subject. Yes, I understand that it's a very deep subject. So if, if by seeing a person's uh, body, we can easily say that, oh, you might have this problem. You have a dry hair. You might be having too much of heat in your body. Or you're not drinking enough water. Or you have, are you wearing specs and your uh, body is too much of heat. The same way our Indian ancient sadhus or sannyasis, saint used to uh, tell. For example, if you go in front of a saint, and if you go and see the saint, the saint will immediately look at you and tell that, oh, you have this problem. And immediately... Uh, people in Western people in India or wherever it is, they immediately say that, oh, wow, he knows my problem. How did he find my problem? Oh, oh, wow. The way how he found is by seeing you and by analyzing the aura around you, analyzing the way of you, way of your food habit, way of the way you walk, the way of body condition it is. So everything is, it's, it's written. Everything is being recorded. And yoga anatomy, the second one is yoga anatomy. You need to understand the body and you need to understand his head is under the neck and neck is under the chest and chest is under the abdomen. So you need to understand. And if a person doesn't know exactly what is uh, a prone or what is a fine pose, and they will end up in different understanding and they will end up giving different poses. So I really personally feel uh, science behind uh, 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 the uh, science behind the yoga to understand the body, and you need to understand why it is being done, and uh, what are the right postures, and what are the right postures connecting with the body, and what muscle is being activated, and those muscles activating which nadi, and that nadi releases what kind of energy. So this is very very important. So that's why in each post I would have mentioned about chakras. And in the chakras, what kind of nadi is being connected and that nadi connects to which system and that system works into which body and what happens to the final result. The best thing I would say is today, uh, a lot of things today is being obesity and a lot of weight, weight, weight management has been happening in, in today's world. 
people say oh, i being i'm being in a good diet and yeah i drink a lot of water and i'm i'm, I'm following this paleo diet i'm following this keto diet or I'm, i'm i'm following this so i'm being a vegan for more than 5 years or 10 years and i still don't find the right channeling i don't i don't feel like uh, connecting to the nature i'm not being happy and i'm not reducing my weight the first thing is they have to understand that each body is different for me it it is a combination of pitta and uh, kapha and for some people it will be a combination of vata and pitta so for example a water body a fire body a fire body or air body so you need to understand your body if she has been in diet in paleo diet or if she has been a keto diet doesn't mean that you have to be on the same diet to you need to understand what is your body made of and then once you understand the body and you can really follow that kind of uh, system so yes yoga i mean especially area yoga plays a different role in different body and different body plays into different energy that's right and i think as well another thing that we have like another layer to how people feel in their bodies is also diet culture in the media like i think that people can be happy and healthy at all different sizes and sometimes we are, we get this perception that everyone has to be super slim and super tiny and for some people it's actually really unhealthy to try and make their body be something that it isn't like i think that's one of the benefits of yoga like it can help us be healthy and it can help us find balance but it can also help us accept ourselves and accept like what's unique about us and our own beauty which maybe is not what we see in the magazine or on the tv but it's really that power of tuning into who you are yes it is and when said uh, jo it's like people they don't understand they don't accept who their the body is and they're not happy in what they are so people have to understand this people have to you know believe in that and they need to accept who they are and that's a beautiful energy that is that that creates a beautiful love towards their themselves and that self love is very positive and that positivity is very less in today's world but yeah you said it right Oh, thank you. I mean, it's something I'm really passionate about. I wanted to swing back as well when you were talking about how inversions work with the subtle body and how when we're upside down, like our agni, our inner fire is directed in a different way. And for some people, that's what you need. You need that extra fire. And for other people who maybe are already a bit too fiery, that might be taking them out of balance. So in a one-on-one session, that's easy to work with. You can regulate and give people what will help them work towards balance. But how do you navigate that in a group class? Do you give people options or I'm really interested to know? <laughs> I actually, all my students here in Arm Yoga, they are really super flexible, I would say. And no one is here as the basic. They, they first, when they enroll, they say, oh, I'm very basic. I don't want it to go up and I don't want it to do anything advanced. And once they get into the swing, the energy level they get on the aerial is totally different. The gravity is being changed. The gravity, what we sit and the gravity when we go upside down, that gives them the confidence, that raises the confidence on them. And some people, they're not quite that flexible and I give them their own space. They, I, give, I tell them that to mod, I modulate them, I moderate them into a different pose. For example, if I'm going for a mermaid, I ask them to do the basic one. I don't give them the super mermaid, the advanced pose. But when people are very flexible and they want it more on the aerial and I give them more advanced on the aerial. So in a batch I don't take more than 9 people and that 9 people I'll be like monitoring each and every one another funny thing here in in my studio is I don't give them any a bed or anything uh, comforts them the floor and if they fall down it's going to be on the floor and they need to understand that and once they fall I mean it's not too high as well I don't tie too high and they need to understand that if they fall down and they have to come back again so I teach them in a rough way in a tough way to say to be honest Well, I think that it's something I learned teaching aerial yoga. Like when I taught on the floor, I gave people a lot more freedom to do what felt right for them. But like you're saying, like we don't have a crash mat. Like I have a yoga mat, but it's not something you can like jump out of and land on and not be hurt. Like it's a reality. You might fall out of the hammock. And I actually found I had to shift my teaching style to be more of a disciplinarian and rather than people choosing which option they went with, I would set a like you have to be comfortable here 
before we can try this next thing because often getting in and out of the poses is actually more strength and more energy than being in the pose. And sometimes the exit is the hardest part. So you have to know that people are going to be safe the whole way through. And sometimes people get excited and sometimes people get ambitious. So I found that I actually have been telling people, no, no, that pose isn't for you today in a way that I didn't have to do with floor yoga. Like there is a bigger safety concern when you're up in the air. So true. I don't tell them directly to them that I make them understand that once they try to do the advanced pose and if they can't do it, they understand that they can't do it. And I give them that comfort zone, tell them that you still can try and you can take your own time on trying those poses. And when people are doing super advanced, I tell them that to go a little more further and that gives them a competitive feeling to the other person who's in the class and they make it makes them to do more. So I make sure that everybody's do being safe and make sure that everybody's doing it in the comfort zone. Also, I bring a little fire inside them that they have to do more. <laughs> so this is how I play, I play and practice with my students. And like that little bit of fire, like I, I think you have um, quite a bit of fire in you. Like I see that you actually have like quite a few world records and I'd love to ask you about that because there is this history in yoga of tapas and of self-discipline and actually doing quite extreme physical feats as a way of transcendence. Does that what it feel like to you when you're going for a record attempt? I think that fire has been pushing me to today every day's life actually when I, I, I to be I forgot to tell you this um, when I was at the age of 13 I'm, I'm, I'm super obese and I'm an overweight child and people sometimes make fun of my weight and sometimes people say that I'm not looking my age I'm too too mature to be, to be my age so that that fire inside me it kept telling me that I'm something different and uh, I once after I got married and I got I got, I have a, a beautiful son now. He's eight year old, and the body changes according to your age and to your body. Will be after after pregnancy, your body becomes lousy. It becomes a bit saggy than the body before you had it on the marriage. So I I totally understand different different stages of uh, in human life, and I also understand how it is beautifully reversed back to the way how you want it, and uh, that helped me my mind to become very strong. And that strong mind has played so many beautiful things in everyday's life. And in that everyday life, and that one day, it gave me a spark. Why don't we inspire people? I keep telling people what happened to me. They didn't listen to me. And they were like, okay, fine, you got it. Then it doesn't mean that everyone has to get it. This is what I've been hearing from people. So, so what happened here is I had this fire inside me. I told my parents, since I told you I live in a joint family, and when I told them the first day when I wanted to do a record, no one believed me. And it takes the first part, right? The first step to take the 99th step. You need to have the courage to do that, take the first step. So the first step when I told my dad that I wanted to make a record, I wanted to create a record, I know that I can do it. And he told me that, okay, fine, I believe you because you're my blood. I know what are you capable of. And then he supported me. And for the eight days, I did continuous yoga marathon without food and sleep. So I understood, again, I did a lot of research. Human body can capable of uh, how many days of no sleep and how many days of no food and the right protein or nutrition is not entering into your body, what kind of uh, mood swings might happen, what kind of uh, stress you might face, and what kind of energy you will impact, meaning you'll be impacting with. So I understand I did a lot of research and I did a little bit of practice on it and I did a previous uh, recording on the record and how it is going to be. I, I didn't know that I can make it. The first record I did was eight days, seven nights, a continuous yoga marathon without food and sleep. And the second record was standing on one leg. We call it three pose. Yeah, three pose for one hour. And I, I, I'm three, among the first record, the second record become very hard. And the third record become very, very hard. And the fourth one also become very hard. So I make, I keep going on the hardest way. And uh, I understood that nothing grows in comfort zone. Only if you step out of your comfort zone, when you face the pain, you will know what human body is capable of and what your human mind is capable of. And that fire inside me is something very different. I started worshipping that as a God. And it, it will tell you 
that you are amazing and it will it will show you who you are really to this world and once you find the stage in that world and then you will be uh, seen in a different way and then you speak about everything and every positive thing and people start to listen to you so that power you gain once after you achieve something to achieve it you need to go through that thing so this is what world record has taught me in in, in about my life and so like what was happening in your mind, like say day seven of eight days of no food and no sleep? <laughs> I actually, I understood that. I see a lot of Charlie Chaplin's um, play. I see a lot, I read a lot about this uh, Shakespeare. They all speak about there is a two people inside you and uh, one people, one there will be an angel and there will be a, a devil inside you. And uh, I had a thought around on the day five, not on the day seven, but day five, my mind was telling me that you are a circus. Everybody's seeing you like a monkey, a circus performer, like everybody see you in a different way. And one mind was telling me, don't get down and don't quit. If you quit now, they might sympathize you, they, they might feel pity for you. But once you win this and people see you as a god, the people see you in as a different person, don't give up. And one mind was telling me to give up. But, you know, I'm very happy. I'm very glad. I'm, I'm happy to say that I did the right thing practicing yoga and right thing that I, I trained my mind to be very positive. And that movement, it is on your choice. It's in, in your hand that whether you wanted to choose the good mind or the bad mind. So once you're really a, a positive person, you would really choose the good mind. I had a very immense pain on my body. Almost I had a labor pain, what I faced in my labor. I understand I had the same pain on my body. I pushed my hand, I stand up, I stood up straight and I pushed my negative mind away and I chose the positive mind. I have no, I, it was like a magic for me. I have no idea where the pain went and everybody clapped their hands and the instant energy I had in myself, it was very beautiful. And then I understood that, that that's the day I understood I, I am capable of getting out of any kind of pain in my body. And I can really, the mind plays a major role here in, in this life. And if you want something, you will really, you will get it somehow. And if you don't want it, whatever way it comes to you, you will neglect it and you will not take it. So I feel your mind is your God. And if you train the mind proper, if you, if you keep your mind very positive and if you keep your mind very happy and it gives you the right results. So I chose the positive way and positive way showed me the light. Did you, like knowing the determination that you have, especially after the first one, when you're going to the other ones, did you put in any kind of like safety switch for yourself where you're like, okay, now I know that my mind can override what I'm feeling in my body. If I start feeling something that's like really serious, like maybe I'm going to pass out or maybe I'm actually injuring myself, did you have to think about that? Or do you feel like if it was totally time to stop you would also know i uh, that's what i said i had a practice before doing the record and that practice has helped me to understand better about my body and the best thing is every everyone will uh, pass out with the, uh, the hard practice or with the hard effort that you put a lot but you need to understand your body is capable of doing a lot of magic and also your mind best thing you need to understand is if you have an old tv if you have if anyone are old people or if anyone is 90s or 80s kids they will understand if there was a tv in back days if you just go near the tv and you can see this electrifying i mean those hair will start to goosebumps when you go near the tv your hair becomes very goosebumps so the same emotions you get when you listen to a song and same emotions you get when someone talks very positive to you and someone gives you that goosebumps. People say, right, oh, you give me a goosebumps. So that kind of moment will happen when you listen to something and you need to collect those things. You need to collect those things and you need to keep that things around you to make sure that you need to achieve something. You need those supportive system for you. So I did a lot of research on myself. I put a lot of efforts on myself. Before, before doing this record, 
I collected few of my goosebumps things like music, like emotional being. I had a son. So yeah, my son was another major role for me. And I had my parents seeing me and I had my negative people speaking about me in one group. And I, I saw a lot of positive people around me. So I had a, I had a beautiful surrounding around me. I made sure that I need to win it. So my mind was very strong. I am very, I'm very happy that telling it now that I have a very strong mind and it pushed me in spite of all those things. When I had a time of like giving up or when I had a time of like passing out and immediately I listened to that music or immediately I listened to that kind of a person or I bring that person before you and or I, I immediately think of the great things what it can be. And that gave me, that gave me a beautiful goosebumps and to stand back again. That energy is different. Each tradition, for example, love is a beautiful, beautiful field. And every God taught us to love. There are uh, the, the basic thing behind everything is uh, love. Love is the greatest energy in this earth. So whatever you do, you have that love inside you. And whatever you do, you bring it out with love. And that's beautiful energy. So that's what I had it in my day of practice. And that's what I, and I saw myself on the day of recording. So this is how I made it through. Yeah, like I think if you're doing something like that, even though you're pushing yourself really hard, if it wasn't from a place of love and passion, it wouldn't be a positive experience. Like it would be a brutal experience. So I like it's definitely not something I could see myself doing it, but kind of hearing you speak about it and also knowing as well like the different preconceptions that you had when you were young and you were growing up and even the idea that you have a very set path from a young age and like that's what you do. Like I can see how this determination is something that you cultivate in your practice. And then after that, you see yourself in a different way. You see the world in a different way. Like it's a power that you've tapped into. <laughs> True. I agree with that. And yes, uh, Joe, love is a beautiful feel. It's a beautiful energy. If you're doing a practice uh, yoga, you will know that you love yourself and you keep yourself happy. So yes, yoga is a tool that it gives you that happiness and that happiness creates love inside you and that love creates who you are and that love you have it inside you and you give that love to people. People who practice yoga, people who care about others are really a more givers. So we give a lot of love and we don't expect anything back. So that's how we are. So you might have already covered this because it's a pretty big question, but if you could distill everything that you've learned and everything that you teach into one core essence, what do you think that would be? I would say it's truly the same thing in love. So I would really, people, whoever comes to the class, they already have seen the world like how I've seen it. And uh, they might have experienced different things. And if I be still, I put, I don't put it in practice. I don't put it in effort. It's not going to be the same. It's going to be like what they do it in everyday's life. Only us, only a yoga teacher can understand people's life, can understand people's pain, can understand what they're going through. Only we can be in their own shoes and understand what they are being through. So uh, more than anyone, we are in a different zone. For example, there are lines of people who we respect a lot. Doctors come first and safety people comes the next and all the other normal white collar jobs comes the next. But among everything, no one knows that yoga profession comes more than that. We get to train doctors. We get to train safety people. We get to train people who has been keeping us very secure. So we are more than that. So I I make sure that I give lots of lots of love to my students. I give lots of energy to them. And once they go back from class, they, they should feel happy. They should feel like they have got a wish from the God, or what God the prayers answered. So that kind of energy, when you give them back, it's, it's a beautiful positivity. And that goes back to the universe. And that comes back to us in a different zone, in a different way. I just give them one and in return it comes in ten, ten times ten times fold for us. So I have seen it, I experienced it. So there are people who keep themselves very calm, composed, they don't even speak. I have seen so many yoga teachers, even I had so many gurus and those other I've seen I've overcome those gurus too. They don't even speak, they will keep themselves very quiet. 
And I also seen people who has been talking and who has been counseling each other. They get out of feelings and make sure that they're being given the right confidence level to succeed in life. And I gave that mixed practice. I be calm to people who I have to be calm. And I'm being very talkative to people who need to listen to be talkative. And I I'm give them a warm hug when people need that warm hug. So Manli, we know where to start and where to stop and where to go and where not to go. So that is a different kind of emotion only a yoga teacher can understand. And it's such a beautiful practice to be able to support and care for the people who support and care for everyone else in their lives, whether it's in their family life or in their jobs, to be like their happy place or their refuge from the rest of their lives. Like it's a really special privilege. So I appreciate everything that you've just said and everything that you've shared. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk today and for all of the love that you put into the world with your teaching and with your book. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. It's really a pleasure talking to you. And those questions are really amazing. I, I hope people get the right benefit from you. And I'm really, I really love the work what you're doing. And I wish you could do more. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Kavitha. It was very interesting and lots of informative stuff about aerial yoga, which is something Joe and I are both very passionate about. For our next episode, we'll be delving into the world of poi. We'll be speaking with Dr. Kate Regal Van West, who moved to Aotearoa, New Zealand, to learn more about the art. So stay tuned for that in a few weeks' time. We'll include a link in our show notes to everything we've spoken about on our website, podcast.flowartist.com. You can leave a comment there if you like, and we'd also love to hear from you. You can find me on Instagram at runlovesyoga, and Joe is at gardenofyoga. Our theme song is Baby Robots by GoSoul and is used with permission. Check out gosoul.bandcamp.com. Thank you so, so much for listening. Joe and I really appreciate you spending your precious time with us. He aroha nui maua kia koutou katoa. Big, big love. Love.